Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. How you doing, lady? I feel like I, well, you have been gone, so I, I have. have not seen you in a long time. It feels like it's been an eternity. It has. I know. I was, we were on vacation with the family, so sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like a vacation, but we did get away for a mini vacation within a vacation, my husband and I, and that was really Which nice. I love. That's I so swear cool. to God. I feel like everyone needs to vacation, go to Park City. It's beautiful, gorgeous, and we should all be doing that at some point. Done. It's, Let's go right now. It's, <laughs> bye, guys. We'll see you later. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, but that's, yeah. How about you? Have you been just like working a lot? I have been working a lot. And then uh, July is a big birthday month in my hubby's oh. family. So it's his birthday. And then the following week, it's his sister's birthday. And then this week, it's his dad's birthday. So it's actually been kind of fun. We've gotten together every week for Party. the last couple Party. of weeks. To just get together and celebrate. And um, you can't, well, I could try to show you. They're they're still up for my husband's birthday. He was working during the day and was going to get home like at 8. And I guess we'll call this my ROM. This can be my ROM. Yeah, okay, good. And so I like surprised him and I went went to Party City because we didn't have any big plans. Like we were going to do, he had had already, had already, already had family. You know, I had to work. I couldn't go before his dad went out of town. And I bought... We decided we were going to cook, right? So I bought all of these crazy decorations so that when he walked in, it was like Party City threw up in our apartment. Oh, that's so nice. And I made like his grandmother's chili sauce that he loves, um, that the one that we had at our wedding, like we asked oh her especially to make. Uh, it was fun. And it was just like, we have all these neighbors that hang out and play music together. I bought a pinata shaped like a taco and filled it with candy. Oh and we God, went fun. down and uh, ha- had everybody hit the pinata. And it was just hilarious. And I baked oh. a cake. I like really went, I went for it. I was like, Good happy, for you. happy mother effing birthday, baby. That's right. It's really me being like, you better knock my 40th out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think he already will. But um, I love that. That's a wonderful rom. Happy birthday, James. Yeah. Sending you all the love. Well, I guess for my ROM, I went and saw a movie and I was like, oh my God, could this be one of my ROMs for my, you know, for my ROM, com, drum, whore, Mm. whatever. But in the end, I'm like, I'm just going to use it as my ROM of the week, which is I saw Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, fun. How was it? I mean, it was really fun. It was... 
Uh, we took the whole fam, so we had a four-year-old uh, and an eight-year-old there, which got a little scary. There's some point parts that were a little scary, but I will say it's directed by Taiki, Taiki Watiti, and he is super funny. Like, he wrote it, too, and He's so it great. has a lot of humor. It's yeah. a little, it's kind of goofy. It's definitely Disney-fied, but it definitely has a scary moments as well. Sure. Um, and there's there's um, a great love love affair in there, and in the end, it's surprising and I can't tell you because I don't want to spoil but it was I I wept I wept tearjerker huh yes and it was it was great and what's his name who played Batman and he was also he's like a crazy actor not really but people think he's crazy he Uh, was Christian Bale yes he's in it and he plays the um the bad guy but Oh. We understand why he's bad. Ba- it's it was I recommend it. It's a fun. I love a blockbuster. Do you have to have? Do you have to have seen the other Thor movies? Uh, no. Oh, okay, because I haven't. <laughs> um, but you could see them if you wanted to. They're all on Disney Plus. But I I I really enjoyed it. It was a good time. So that's fun. my. Rom. I need to go. I I really want to go to the theater to see Nope. Oh yeah, the new Jordan Peele movie that just came out, and Absolutely. I haven't been back to the movies since we went together oh. so maybe we could go see a movie Ooh, together we should oh my gosh i love that i don't have any crimes this week which is good i think i just yeah that is good i have just one and it's not a real crime it's a new crime show that i'm obsessed with Ooh. that's if uh anyone listening has apple tv it's an apple tv series it's called blackbird Ooh. and it's based on true events about uh a serial killer named Larry Dwayne Hall, where like the C- the FBI or the CIA or something sends in another prisoner, like on drug charges. They send him in to befriend him to find out where he buried the bodies because he's he won an appeal for a new trial, saying that his confession needed to be thrown out, and he won the appeal. And they're like, this guy is a serial killer. Oh my god, we need him. We need you to get him to tell you, like, make friends with him, basically. And so he's in the prison now. I, and trying to make friends with this guy and it's the actors are great it's Ray Liotta's last like project that he did oh, before he passed away God, yeah uh it's so intense and creepy and everything that I love about it like a true crime story and it's being told so good so that's my crime check that that's out. great I love a recommendation well my inspiration for this week's crime everyone is the 1997 rom I don't know if you want to call it a com- well. It's definitely a comedy, and let's call it a well. It's Mi- Room- Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Yes, and I already t- decided what we're going to call this episode. It's going to be called Romy and Michelle's high school nightmare. Oh, okay, great. Just to give you a little tease about my story oh, that's going to follow. Oh, I'm excited. Well, the internet gives the film synopsis. It says, 10 years after high, after their high school re- graduation, Romy, played by Mira Servino, and Michelle, played by Lisa Kudrow from Friends, everybody, haven't exactly accomplished everything that they set out to do. Despite their strong friendship, their personal and professional lives are still lacking. When they hear of the, their op- upcoming high school reunion, they take it as an opportunity to show their classmates how much they've changed, first by trying to reform themselves, then by creating a lie that eventually spins out of control. <laughs> and I think we should play the um, the trailer because it's fun and you get to hear it. Now, if you guys haven't seen this movie, it is available to rent or buy on Prime and Apple, all the places. But I'd, And literally pause right now and go watch this movie. If you haven't yeah. seen this movie, it's one of the greatest and of all time. One thing I will also say is this at the time, I have fun facts that for us 
at the end. Um, but oh, this good. at the time was they were looking, the studios were looking for like a female Wayne's World or a female Dumb and Dumber. Those all had just come out. And so they were looking for something like comedic like that. But I will, in my opinion, because I love all those movies because I was a child back then. I was like, this is my favorite thing. But in for this, it's it, it's really funny. It's really ridiculous. I mean, they're crazy. They're obsessed with their weight, which is so sad. My daughter was watching it with me. And oh, you'll, no, yeah, like, you'll don't hear worry about that. Stuff. Exactly. You'll hear in the trailer. They talk about it a lot. And I'm like, honey, back in the olden days, people thought their value was how they looked. And I mean, I'm sure people do, too, because of social media and all these things. But I was just like, ooh, that's not good. And she's like, I get it, Mom. It's fine. Uh, okay. She's like, it's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to think that I just need to eat, like, gummy bears and candy corns and to stay skinny exactly. and get mono. <laughs> well, and, and what was I going to say? The thing that I love about this is their friendship. I, I mean, that's my favorite thing about it. Okay. Hold on. Let's do this trailer. Remember the prom? You got so thin by then. I was so lucky getting mono. That was like the best diet ever. Meet Romy and Michelle. Remember that time I barfed from really bad Mexican food? So gross. I hate throwing up in public. Oh, me too. Oh. They walk the walk. God, this underwear is totally riding up my butt. <laughs> they talk the talk. Romy, did you lose weight? All I've had to eat for the past six days are gummy bears, jelly beans, and candy corn. God, I wish I had your discipline. But at their high school reunion. So you know, stupid. I'd rather put this out in my right. Eye. You're right. Um, okay. It's literally all about be their bodies. <laughs> we can go to the reunion and just pretend to be successful. Oh my god. From this point on, we are sophisticated, successful career women. Which one of these guys will I have sex with at the reunion? Touchstone Pictures presents. Oh, oh, oh. That hurt, but it looked really good. Mira Sorvino. You have absolutely no proof that you're cuter. Okay, who lost their virginity first? Oh, big wow with your cousin Barry. I wouldn't brag about it. Lisa Kudrow. I'm sorry, I couldn't find my top. In a story of the blonde. What does this remind you of? Meeting the blonde. Oh, I know. This lady is totally sick. Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. And what are you picking on us for, anyway? We are not the ones who got fat. We're pregnant, you half-wit. Well, I hope your babies all look like monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. Huh. But I love it. It's so fun. I love the, the scene when they're asking for, like, the business lady lunch oh special. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, this that was Cause like you're right. Like if they were looking for a female kind of dumb and dumber, like the the idea is that yeah, they're just these like you know they're very fashionable. Yes, and they have a genuinely wonderful like love for each other as friends. Exactly. But yeah, they're they're not like the brightest bulbs exactly. in the box. Is that or in the I shed? think the sharpest the knives expression? in the in the in the, in the uh, box. Yeah. No, in I the, agree. Uh, yes, they're so ten years later they live in Venice and. They live in a studio apartment where their twin beds are just like snuggled up to each other. They're 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 just kind of like, you know, dim-witted. Or in one of the things that's actually in uh, IMDb, it's like two dim-witted, inseparable friends hit the road for their ten-year high school reunion and concoct an elaborate lie about their lives in order to impress their classmates. Um, but anyways, dim-witted. And at some some summary was like pinhead, and I'm like, what's a pinhead? But it's just a, a, a foolish person. Another. Yeah. Oh. another I wonder how so. Why? Like, why is that? That's a great question. We should look up the history. Like, who came up with pinhead? I know. 
We should. Well, yeah, we'll get back to you guys. It in probably next week's has episode. to do with there. I'm sure there's some deformities, like with lack of uh, malnutrition, or you know, with malnutrition situations. Oh. So maybe it would have to do with brain. I hey, any doctors out there, scientists, anybody smarter I than don't us? Know. Go ahead and DM us. Thanks. Probably lots of people, but yeah, let us know <laughs> the origin of Pinhead. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, so it so it starts in they're they're living in Venice in a cute little apartment and they have they're they're watching um they're watching Pretty Woman, which is really funny because when you when I see this I was thinking oh they're gonna because I, I have not watched this in a long time so I'm rewatching and they make they make fun of Pretty Woman they're like it's so funny oh my gosh I should I should play this part actually I'll find it. Um, and then afterwards they're like I love it when Lisa Kudrow or Michelle it's, Michelle's the one who's like a little bit more kind of more dumb she's dumber if Mira's dumb or sorry if Romy's dumb then Michelle's dumber you know and right and she dumb goes, and dumber oh yeah. I love it when they actually when she gets to shop she's like <laughs> so stupid um, <clears throat> it's my favorite part which actually that's my one of my favorite parts of it's Pretty Woman true. is the montage on Rodeo it's Drive like, like that's the best part and then she tells off the mean exactly. sales lady and, who might be played by somebody in this it movie? looks like no, no. Her. It does kind but of look I don't like know her, if it is her. Okay, so yeah, so they live together, and then we see them watching their movie. Heather Mooney from. Um, then we move back in time where they're in high school, okay. and we meet some of the characters of their high school. So Heather Mooney is this. Uh, um, Oh, wait. No, sorry. Sandy, I did not have a thing for him. Oh, this is amazing. Okay. Actually, Avrin. So, you know who plays yes. Heather Mooney? Janine Garofalo. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes. And no. I actually, I cued this up and I hope. She is literally my favorite thing about this movie. She's like the girl who was like the smoker in high school. Just like couldn't get her shit together. She was in love with Sandy. This guy, Sandy, who was in love with uh, Michelle. Michelle. And she's just an angry, wonderful person. And let's see if I can, if I cued it up right. So she enters, she enters Mira's well, work. I'm or sorry, Romy. Heather. Heather Mooney? From Sagebrush High in Tucson? Yeah. It's Romy. Romy White. You're shitting me. <laughs> no, this is so weird. I didn't know you were living in L.A. Well, now that you know, will we be getting together a lot? <laughs> so, God, you're driving a new Jaguar? What do you do? Ever hear of Lady Fair cigarettes? The ones that burn down real fast? Twice the taste and half the time for the gal on the go. I invented the quick-burning paper. <laughs> so funny. Wow. You going to the reunion? What reunion? Our 10-year high school reunion in Tucson. You're kidding me. It's been 10 years since high school? God, where have I been? I'm stumped. Where? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are you going? I'd rather put this out in my ass. I wonder why we didn't get an invitation. I mean, I'm sure Michelle would have told me if she got one. Michelle Weinberger? Mm-hmm. Do you live with Michelle Weinberger? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought maybe she'd be married to Sandy by now. Sandy Frank? <laughs> yes, Sandy Frank. He could barely contain his erection every time she was around. Why do you think he always carried that huge notebook? <laughs> the Frankazoid and Michelle, I'm sure. Besides, didn't you have a thing for Sandy in high school? This is my favorite I did not part. Have a thing? I did not have a thing. I did not have a thing. I was very much in love with him. 
very much in love, and there's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference. God, I love her. So good. I just love how she goes from, like, snarky, deadpan to, like... I was very much. Oh my god, she just makes this movie for me. And Romy and Michelle are amazing in this too. So they find out right about the the reunion, and they start going through their yearbook, and they look at their picture. They were the only two who took a picture together, and <laughs> yes, and so they talk about all the cliques and the groups. There's the A group, the mean group, and I was talking to my daughter about this, like because every movie you see, I'm like, you know them, the popular mean girls. But I'm like, not all popular girls are mean. I we didn't. I don't remember having that, but maybe I was a mean girl. I don't know. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Romy talks about how she was in love with a boy named Billy Christensen, who was one of the A girl's boyfriends. And they make fun of Romy and Michelle's outfits because they're dicks. But by the way, they are so fashion forward. I mean, that's part. That's one of the things. That is where it's not a dumb and dumber thing. Like I, I'm like, they're amazing. Like deep down, I was like, this is where this movie actually, as a child, watching this, I was like, I love, I love their fashion. It was quirky. It was fun. It was all like gold lame and like spandex shininess. So good. Like there's one scene in the movie I think it's maybe a flashback from the high school times when they are both different oh yeah that's on this senior prom and they like made their own outfits and they're like spot on exactly and Christy who is the girlfriend of Billy Christensen the cool girl comes up and puts magnets on Michelle's she has a metal back brace because she has scoliosis um, and that's just mean. And then they get really upset. And then at the senior prom, of course, they're the only ones that look good. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, of course, we're the only girls that don't look like we're going to a hoedown, um, which I love. Mm-hmm. And um, then Sandy asks Michelle to dance with her. And she's like, no. Ew. And then Heather asks Sandy and Sandy's like, no. So it's like everybody hates each other. And, you know, and then. And everybody's and mean, mean to, to each other. other. And then without, with, throughout the high school time, we see Heather, Janine Garofalo's character. She's always going outside, and that's where she gets the idea. She's like, "You should. there should be a cigarette that is, you can smoke between classes. And there's always this guy, this, like, cowboy guy who doesn't really talk. And she never had. Yeah, smokes. he never. She always yeah. needs a light, and he flicks her butt at her, you know, so she can use the end of the butt to light her cigarette. And she's like. Light her cigarette. She calls him a sheep fucker, and she's very upset um yeah <laughs> and then fucker. billy uh, and then romy asks billy to uh, dance because michelle's like go for it i mean it's you know senior prom what's he gonna do you know i'm sure he'll say yes and he says yes and then the stupid christy girl comes up and is like you broke us up and anyways ends up romy is waiting for him to come back to dance with her and that's just another mean thing and that's the, that's after waiting romy and michelle slow dance together if I would catch... Wait, what is it? Time after time. Time after time. Yes, there's an iconic dance number in this film as well, which is kind of a requirement for any movie that I'm just like... I do agree with you ever. on that. Like, I love a choreographed scene and I love fun con- I do, costumes. I do, I um, do. And then, so we go back to the present day and they're basically... They're basically Romy's like, what's the point of going if we're not going to impress people? So then they decide if... because. Michelle doesn't have a job, which, by the way, that means that Romy is just working as like a receptionist or a cashier at the Jaguar. She's paying for their apartment. But I assume that maybe Michelle's making the clothes during the day. Anyways, M- Romy's going to get a boyfriend right. and Michelle's going to get a job. And they go through a bit of a 
like a funny montage where you see them and they're working out. They also have to lose weight. So it's like this montage of them like wearing insane outfits, slightly maybe some mm-hmm. of them we would wear nowadays um, and working out. And Romy can't find a boyfriend, but she tries AA. She tries singled out, but she's too old. They're like, our cutoff is 25. Thanks. Um, yeah. So <sighs> in the end, and this is because, like you said, at the, at the, um, uh, the diner where, where the old ladies like, uh, what kind of business do you guys do? And they realized that they didn't decide on what kind of business women they are. And so that moment is like the impetus right. of them going, uh, I guess, what are we going to do here? Uh, okay, post-its. So they decide that they invented post-its, which is super famous. Which I think is kind of a nod to the fact that Heather said that she had invented that fast-burning yes. paper. So like they're like, business people right. invent things. <laughs> also, Avrin, we're still waiting. You're going to invent something. I know it's going to happen. It's true. I don't know what it is yet. Um, I can't wait to I know, come up so with it. Just so you guys it. know, a uh, psychic once told us both that she was going to invent something, and I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Um fabulous and so they're on their way they're in their business suits they're driving and then they get in a fight and the fight starts with who's cuter so cuter but they're but they're like they're like on their way there and it's also like who i'm the rhoda and i'm the mary and i'm so sorry i did not look that up but what's that from mary and rhoda that's from mary mary tyler moore and and so who they each one of them wants to be the mary and they're like i'm cuter it's like the silliest thing to get into you know a fight and then we go basically we have this like we're at the reunion and it's everyone's in pastels and and they're Mm -hmm. looking cool in their suits and and then there's an award given out who's most changed for the better since high school and it's it's a tie oh and michelle's like weird i didn't even know we were voting in the dream (laughs) they get the (laughs) award and the guy and they get the guy but they lose their friendship and then we cut to 70 years later and michelle finally calls romy on her deathbed, of course. And Romy says, no, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to her. Not until you admit I'm the Mary and you're the Rhoda. And they don't do it. And they fight. They're like, fuck you. But then that was just a dream. So it was, I mean, they went like hardcore right. in that mini movie there. I was like, Jesus. Yeah, they definitely like segued into like a whole, I mean, we have a whole high school yeah. reunion happen. And we get all the way up to the deathbed. And it's just I a know. dream sequence I in know. the film. Which is exactly. Great. And so anyways, they go to the real one. The real high school reunion, and we find out that all those mean girls are are pregnant. And I love Michelle goes, wow, three kids. You must really feel tied down. <laughs> and then, oh, no, that's Romy. And then Billy. <laughs> then she learns that Billy's the dad, and she's devastated because she wanted to get some. Heather Mooney arrives and blows uh, blows their cover. She's like, you didn't, you didn't invent Post-its? The actual inventor of Post-its is Art Fry from the 3M Corp, which is true. He was uh, a scientist and... They were apparently they were trying to actually create like super adhesive, but they only made like medium or like mildly adhesive and it ended up being a hit. Um, Romy and Michelle make up Heather and the and the beer. Oh, my God, this I'm going to put this on the on on our our social. But like they're talking about like who who's made it this in the 10 years, like where people are and like how successful people are. And they're like, this guy, he's a football player and he still plays for the Buccaneers. <laughs> and she's got beer and she's like, you can't even, she's just so funny. You guys watch this movie for Janine Jean- Garofalo. I'm just telling you. Um, one of the A girls who doesn't really talk to them anymore is a Vogue editor. And, um, 
Yeah, they make fun. Christy outs them in front of everybody like these dumb bitches thought they made post-its they lied and they but then they confront Christy and she's like you're a bad person with an ugly heart and we don't give a flying fuck what you think and then Heather says that she thought Romy and Michelle had made it great speech that's what I wrote what does that mean Heather says that she thought Romy and Michelle sometimes you write notes and you're like what the hell did I write yeah I don't know I don't know what that means um but then finally Sandy arrives Sandy Frank. Sandy Frank, yes, he's the exactly. most Exactly, he comes in a chopper, a helicopter, it lands in the, you know, whatever, and Heather sees him, she's like, that's Sandy? What was I thinking? And so she's over him in a flash. Um, and then he walks right. up to Michelle and says, after all these years, you still take my breath away. And then Romy and Michelle dance with Sandy in their balletic, like, dance, time after time again. Mm-hmm. It's everything. And then I'll... I wrote Romy, Mira Servino obviously, obviously has ballet and dance experience. And then Heather's outside trying to light a cigarette again. And the cowboy comes up to her with his butt instead of like, you know, tossing at her. And she and he admits he was miserable in high school. And by the way, this is a very young Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Ooh. Who's a cutie patootie, but he's super, so it's just so funny. Yeah. So hot. And yeah. then as Romy and Michelle are about to leave on Sandy's chopper, Billy is puking in the bushes and he's a shitty person. He's like, let's go have sex, uh, Romy. And Romy's like, oh, okay. So she makes him go up and like leaves him in a hotel room. Anyways, Michelle and Sandy kiss. Everyone comes out of the reunion as a helicopter leaves because that's what their true wish was. They just want people to think they're successful. And let's see what else. Romy and Michelle open their own clothing store. Right? Yes, because one of the best parts when they tell off the mean girls is the one that is the Vogue editor that doesn't, obviously didn't stay in Tucson and stay in touch with her old high school mean girlfriends. She actually says that the clothes are great yeah. and that she she's she like, thinks she likes them. Not she's bad. A, she's the yeah. Vogue editor. Yeah, she's like, they're and not bad at all. And the fact. movie ends when they and they just fold the scarves and and it's a happy ending. It's a joy. It's a fun watch. I will say that. But I will also say if you're watching with a chi- a younger person, maybe it's because it feels like ooh, it's a little cringe. I'll just be honest. Yeah, no, I, I kind of forgot how much of the movie they talk about needing yeah. to lose weight, losing weight, looking thin. And I think like in the 90s, I mean, that was obviously very much a thing because that's kind of the same era of like the heroin yep, chic yep, supermodel yep. vibes that were going around. But it's not a message that should be like treated as a, like a, a smart and or even important exactly. message. It should definitely just be like, that's a I'm like these are silly. I, I'm like these characters are heightened for comedic value. And Amelia's, my daughter was like, "What does that yes. mean?" And so we got in a whole thing. And I'm like, and then we talked about cigarettes, and then we talked about cancer. And she's like, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I have to stop talking to you. I love you so much, but this is you're bumming me out." I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. You're like, this was okay, supposed to be fun. So let me tell you some fun <laughs> facts. Did you know this film actually began as a stage play? What? Yes, I did based not. On an original play by. The person who who wrote it is Robin Schiff, and it was called Ladies' Room, which featured Romy and Michelle as like small characters, and took place entirely in a Mexican restaurant bathroom during happy hour. Isn't that funny? Oh, amazing! I want to read um, that. And uh, this is I'm getting this from like a fun article in Mental Floss, just so you know. Um, another fun fact is Lisa Kudrow really knew the Michelle character because prior to Friends, she originated the role of Michelle in Ladies' Room. 
And then what else? Oh, it premiered at in the West Hall in at the Tiffany Theater in West Hollywood in 1988. And Kudrow got the part in the play because both she and the writer were members of the Groundlings. Good for her. Um, Romy and Michelle really existed in a bathroom, and that's where the idea came from. Someone was listening to a conversation between two sort of cliche idiot mm-hmm. women. Um, <laughs> Let's see. Pinheads. A couple of of pinheads. (laughs) Um, What else did I want to say about... Oh, this came... Mira Sorvino, her film after she won an Oscar for Aphrodite... What was it? Uh, Mighty Aphrodite, Aphrodite. which I've never seen. Oh, it's Woody Allen. Ugh. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Oh, and then here's my favorite. This is the last fun fact that I love. The Amazing Costumes was apparently... Okay, so the designer is Mona May, who also did Clueless, uh, a bunch of movies, Never Been Kissed. Yes, you get... There's Dumb and definitely Dumber, that vibe. God there's bless. The, and yeah. she also ended up doing the original stage play for Ladies Rooms, too. She did the costumes that. I just love it. This is a great, fun... Yeah. That's so cool. I had no idea that it uh, was based off of a, a play and that so many of the people involved in the original production of the play exactly. were involved in the movie. I have like a couple of funny connections Ooh, to this film. So one, a guy I went to high school with married Mira Shut Sorvino up. and is still married and is still married to her. That's uh, so crazy. So that's just like another kind of, f- yeah, right? So when we were in high school watching, he didn't know he was watching his wow. future. I mean, I didn't watch this with him. I don't know if he ever watched it, but just hypothetically, <laughs> if he was watching this when it came out, uh, he was watching his future wife, which is kind of crazy. And then also, I'm from Tucson, so I always loved any movies that's like oh, Tucson. Yeah. Uh, but the exterior shot, I, I think it's in the dream sequence uh-huh. high school reunion, is the Tucson oh, Country Club where I, where, where I grew up. And so it's just the exterior. It's not, they didn't actually film it there. But I thought, my goodness, that is hilarious. Cool. That's so wild. Yeah. So uh, I had two kind of like connections to the film outside of just thinking it was so freaking funny and still thinking Amazing. Well, there you go. There you have it. I hope this inspires something wonderfully interesting. I know it will. (laughs) Oh, it totally will. So... I had a lot of thoughts when I was trying to think of what type of crime to look for. And I got real specific. Of course, I was like, crime at a a real life high school reunion. Is there a story where like, I don't know, some crazy crime or horrible thing happened? There aren't, there isn't. That's surprising. There's a lot of fake, like there's, they just made that whole TV show, um, another Apple TV show with like Tiffany Haddish. Oh, yeah. A murder at at a high school reunion after party. But there was no, it was so fun. It was so fun. Uh, but there was no real life version of that. So then I was like, I just, just for shits and giggles, I typed in post-it murders or something. And weirdly enough, I found a story about a woman in Nevada who was being held captive by her boyfriend, but I guess he had turned really violent. And uh, one day she couldn't find her son and he wouldn't (gasps) tell her where he was. And she also had a young daughter and she knew and he was very violent with her and she knew that he had probably killed her son and he was definitely going to kill them if she couldn't figure out how to get them out of there. And she found a pad of post-its and she started writing notes. And then eventually she was able to get the notes into her kid's book and then her kid took it to school and showed the teacher and the cops came and like saved her and arrested him and found oh unfortunately no. found her son. But but it was like a case of uh, <gasps> the post-its 
being used as a way to rescue her and her daughter. And I wanted to mention that simply because I thought, wow, like, what a what a horrible ordeal, but also like, so, so glad that she was able to like, get them out. And I just wanted to mention that story, even though that is not the story that I'm going to be sharing today. So then I thought, okay, what is this movie really about? It's about two best friends. Yeah. And so I just started looking into crimes about best friends, whether that be best friends who kill together, uh, you know, best friends who kill each other. And I'm going to take you guys through the story of Skylar Niece. Now, I don't know, you you might even remember this. It's not that long ago. This story happened in 2012. And what makes that so interesting within the story is so this is when like social media is as big as it is now you know like twitter instagram facebook they're all in existence they're all being used and uh they actually play kind of a pivotal role in in this um case in in how they kind of figured everything out so let's let me tell you the story okay. about skylar niece okay so um on july 5th of 2012 16 year old skylar came home from her part-time job where she worked at Wendy's, which also I just think about Avern in high school and I would have died if I, I would have been, I mean, I would have probably been <laughs> from like clogged arteries, but I would have been so happy because then Wendy's was my jam in high school. I loved a junior bacon cheeseburger with yes. a small frosty and fries <laughs> every day of the week, man. Loved it. Uh, so she had a part-time job at Wendy's. She got home around 10 p.m. Um, from her job her parents were just you know watching tv it's summer vacation as i mentioned it's july 5th the day after the 4th of july and uh she kisses her dad good night says she loves him kisses her mom good night says she loves her and she goes into her room and shuts the door and presumably goes to bed and then the following day her parents get up early and go to work uh her dad was like a product assembly assembler for the local walmart and her mom worked like a reception in like a medical lab so they go to work, but her dad was planning on coming home midday so that Skylar could have his car to drive to her shift at 4 p.m. at Wendy's. And when he gets home, he notices that her bedroom door is closed. And then when he tries to open it, it's locked. And he's like, what? And he's knocking and no answers, calling her name. He knows that she has a shift. That's why he came home, so she could have the car. So he basically breaks into her room with like a hanger. And when he opens the door, her bed is like fully made unslept in. And he's like, what's going on? So he goes outside. They lived in an apartment complex. He goes outside to like smoke a cigarette and he notices there's a bench placed under her window. So then he goes back into her room and he's looking around and he sees the screen from her window has been hidden in her closet. And he's like, oh my God, my daughter snuck out of the house (gasps) and she didn't come back. Because she had gotten in trouble for sneaking out, but they didn't realize one that she had snuck out and he is now realizing, holy shit did she sneak out last night and never come back so he calls his wife and his wife is like just it's okay just don't panic she's probably at a friend's house he's like but it doesn't look like she came home last night she's like well maybe she slept at her friend's house and she didn't think we'd notice because she knew we were getting up early for work like just we'll call the wendy's at four o'clock when her shift starts and just to check and make sure that she's there and he's like okay but then he also immediately cannot calm down he just has a feeling so he calls his daughter's best friend Skylar's best friend Sheila and uh he's like Sheila is Skylar with you and she's like no why and he's like well she's not home and I I can't get a hold of her and I don't know I can't you know and he's she's like oh okay well I'll let you know if I hear from her and he's like well when's the last time you spoke to her and she said we talked on the phone last night sometime before midnight 
but I haven't spoken to her since then. And he's like, okay. And she's like, but keep me posted. You know, like, let me know if you guys get a hold of her. So then <laughs> four o'clock comes. And before they even call the Wendy's, the Wendy's calls them. And they're like, hey, is Skylar planning on coming oh, into no. work today? And so now they know that she has not shown up for work. And immediately they call the police. Now, police um, come over and they explain, you know, he explains everything that's happened. And because of certain like rules, you don't send out an Amber Alert at this time uh, unless you think there's been an abduction. Police see runaway things all the time. But her parents are like, that's not the type of kid she was. And they're like, well, we'll start looking. Well, you know, we'll definitely start asking around. But we can't like formally like take this as a missing persons case until 48 oh hours has gone by. She probably she probably just ran away and is like hiding out with a friend for the weekend and she'll be back on Monday. I feel like that okay. logic is needs to be re uh yeah. Rethought. Well, we'll get to that. We will get to that by the end of this story, which is good. So, after the police come and they're like, "Okay, we'll you know, we'll do that." The parents are like frantic, right? And then Sheila calls them back so that's the best friend and she gets on the phone and they tell her you know like the police are just here but they said there's nothing they can do and she says I I want to tell you actually like the truth about what happened last night she said so Rachel and I so Rachel Sheila and Skylar are like besties they're like this known trio of besties that you know like they're always together they're never apart they're the best <laughs> best best besties they're a group and she says that Rachel and Sheila came and picked her up she did sneak out of the house but it was to hang out with them and they just like drove around smoking weed and then when they dropped her off so they picked her up at 11 when they dropped her off at 11 like they think it's like 11:45 but they dropped her off a block from the apartment complex so that the lights from the car couldn't potentially like wake her Uh parents up when she was sneaking back in so the last they saw her was one block from the apartment complex at 11 45 now this of course sparks complete panic right like oh my god was she abducted like on that short walk home did some horrible like you know foul play befall her in that short little walk did she come home and then go out again like what 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 happened here and then uh mary Skylar's mom remembers, hey, there's surveillance cameras in the parking garage, like the parking lot of this complex to basically like watch for crimes. So she, they run to the uh, manager's office. They ask if they can look at uh-huh. it. They look at it. Right. And on the footage they see it's super terrible quality, very grainy. They see footage of Skylar ru- like at 1230 p.m. running across the parking lot and getting into a car but quite willingly, like very much, you know, nothing about it. Looks like she didn't want to get in the car. And they cannot make out the make or model. Well, no, they, they know it's a sedan. It's a four-door sedan, but they can't tell like which, you know, is it a Honda? Is it a Ford? No idea. No way to see the license plate. But also when police are shown this footage, this to them further solidifies that this is a runaway, not a, like, because okay. she's willingly getting into this vehicle. Okay. Let me find my place. I love that I wrote this all down, but then didn't look at that one time. Just to tell you, you didn't the story, need to. I'm like, yeah. oh, shit. Got it in there. Okay, right. So after Sheila confesses that they had snuck out the night before, she and her mom head over 
to Skylar's parents' house to help them because they're going to start looking right, regardless of the police are. So they're talking to neighbors. They're making signs. They're just they're looking for her, basically. And so Sheila comes with her mom to help. And uh, nobody, nobody has seen anything. Nobody has any information. And so I'm going to pause for a minute in the disappearance of her and just tell you a little bit about Skylar. So Skylar Niece was David Mary's only child. And she was the center of their universe. They didn't have much money, but they spoiled her with like emotional love and support. And on, I watched uh, like a 2020 about this. I watched uh, 48 hours about this. And he tells her, her, her dad tells this story. So she was very smart and she was a big giggler, like a very happy little kid and a total like daddy's girl. And one day when Mary was at work, Dave was just home with her by himself, right? And she tapped him like on the back and she was like, dad, will you join me for my tea party? And he was like, sure, babe. And when he sat down, she handed him a teacup that actually had water in it. And he was like, oh, Oh, no, (laughs) how fancy. And they have like a little tea party. They have a little tea party. Then his mom, or sorry, his mom, his wife comes home, asks about the day. And he's like, yeah, we had a tea party. And she even had like real water in the cup. And she's like, Dave, she can't, she is not, she's four or three. Like she's not tall enough to reach a single one of our faucets. And he realized he had been drinking. He'd been sipping toilet water out of a little kid uh, (laughs) teacup all day. But now it's, this is a memory that just brings him a lot of like joy and happiness. Uh, Okay. Let me talk about uh, Sheila and Skylar. They met when they were eight years old, right? So when I said these girls were besties, they're 16 now. So they've been friends for half their life. They met in second grade. They hit it off completely, and they were just always together. And then freshman year of high school, they uh, went to University High School in Morganville, West Virginia. And it was during their freshman year that they met Rachel Shof, and the duo quickly turned into a, a trio. And people would often comment that, you know, they all had like really specifically different personalities and that Skylar was kind of like the emotional stabilizer, you know, so where like Rachel was very like bubbly, outgoing. She was a wannabe actress. She was like the star of all the school plays and musicals, very talented, but she was raised very strictly Catholic. Her parents were divorced, but she lived with a, her mother, who was very strict, and they were very devout. So on the opposite end of that spectrum is wild, wild and crazy Sheila, who is just, like, known for her antics. She's known to, like, say, like, lewd, crude things for attention. She loved boys. She's, you know, she's she was described, I hate saying stuff like this, but, you know, like, that she liked people to think she was promiscuous mm-hmm. whether or not she was you know like she she liked that and kind of somewhere in the middle of all that was Skylar who was a really good student she was an honorable student with a 4.0 GPA who was working a part-time job who wanted to grow up to be a criminal offense uh or not def- offense Ooh, defense wow. attorney and uh the three of them just just became this like it was like an entity they interviewed a lot of their like high school classmates and they were like it was just you never saw just one of them it was always them together they were always together but sometime the year before Skylar went missing there had been kind of a noticeable shift in dynamics and a little bit of tension that was noticeable so as this, the duo of Skylar and Sheila had become this trio, it kind of started to seem like Rachel and Sheila were edging Skylar out a little bit. Now, I have 
a lot of memories of like complicated friendships in high school and not just having like one best friend but multiple best friends and how like the the strength of that bond ebbs yeah, and flows it never absolutely. goes away but you know there are times when you feel closer to other friends but I mean it seemed kind of like they were trying they were like mean girling her to a degree not only were they talking shit on her behind her back to other people who you know were like that's rude I thought she was your best friend but they're doing like weird things like clearly planning ahead to have like matchy outfits on like we'll both wear shirts with stripes today and specifically leaving Skylar out of that and then being like oh no it's just a coincidence great minds think alike you know just mean girl shit they start hanging out without her in ways that she can find out about and in one instance they straight up pull something from the movie mean girls where at a play rehearsal Rachel was on the phone laughing and one of her castmates was like what's so funny she's like come here come here come here and he she holds the phone up to his ear and it's Sheila and Skylar having a fight but Skylar doesn't know that Rachel's on the phone because she's been three-way called in, just like you know, how they do on Mean Girls. So there's like clearly some tension and things are not great. And you think, you know, like, why would you tolerate your best friend treating like that? Just get a new best friend. But high school yeah. is hard and emotions are crazy. And eight years of friendship when you've only been alive for 16 years is like, it's your whole, it's your, mm-hmm. you know, it's your whole world. But as I mentioned, social media, they're very active on there. Very active. Like, I think... I saw like that Sheila uh, Twitter, like she was tweeting like, I don't know, like a hundred times a day. It was crazy. (laughs) But uh, these are some of the tweets that Skylar tweeted in the year before her disappearance. So one was people can be so mean for absolutely no reason. And that just makes me sad because it's true. Another one said like, sick of being at fucking home. Thanks, friends, in quotation marks. Love hanging out with you all too. So like being left out. And then uh, there was one that said, you're a two-faced bitch and obviously fucking stupid if you thought I wouldn't find out. Now, these are all on Twitter, right? But no one's tagged. But as we mentioned, like, these girls were a trio. And so it's most likely that it's to one of these two best friends of hers. Um, And then her final tweet before she disappeared was on July 5th at 7.48 p.m. And the tweet simply read, you doing shit like uh, like that is why I will never completely trust you. Does it? We don't know who that's to, but clearly she has trust issues and anger issues with someone in her life. And we've learned, with, uh, police are learning this as they're, you know, starting their investigation. Okay. So once obviously police find out that she had snuck out with her best friends, Rachel and Sheila, they're like, well, we need to interview you. And so the girls tell the police the same thing that Sheila told uh, Dave and Mary. You know, we picked her up at 11, we drove around. Uh, Star City, we smoked some weed, and we dropped her off a block away at 11.45. And their stories were exactly the same. Both girls interviewed separately. But one of the police officers was like, were they maybe two the same? Like, everybody sees the world just slightly differently. Like, like some of their words were verbatim the same. So there's just this prickle in one very, like, determined to figure out what's going on police officer who, I don't know why I didn't write her name down, I will find it out and I will like let y'all know her name. <laughs> but uh, obviously there's not really much they can go on. They can't identify the car. There's no way to know who who was driving that car. And so there are also rumors flying because it's a small town, right? So there's all these people saying like, oh my God, I heard she was at a party and she OD'd and the kids at the party Ugh. panicked and hit her body. Now, 
that sounds like something out of a movie, but also like a potentially possible scenario if a girl snuck out and never made it back that something happened to her and maybe in some kind of horrible accident or overdose, instead of coming forward, high school kids panic and they just like hide her. There was a what I thought sounded totally crazy thing that said that she was on the run because she was involved with uh, two <laughs> bank robberies. But then police, but then police actually, they really look into this because ten days before she disappeared, there was a bank robbed in her neighborhood area, and the money from that robbery had been used to purchase drugs for teens, one of whom was Sheila's ex-boyfriend. So like there was an actual Holy connection to the shoot. money from the robbery to her best friend and then there was a bank robbed just five days or a week after she disappeared so this theory actually held some weight for a minute um that she was on the run and then of course there was always the possibility that she just ran away even though to her parents they're like it's not a possibility but they they keep that on the table all right so now it's two months have gone by two months and they have nothing but there has been zero activity on her phone, her debit card, anything. They also were like, hey, our daughter wears contact lenses. She didn't bring her glasses or her solution. She didn't even bring her phone charger. She's if dead. she was oh. running away, she would have taken things with her for her journey. So they're like, okay, we got we to gotta get some more information. So they decide we have to figure out this car thing. Like who did she get in that car with at 1230? So they decide they start canvassing like businesses along like close by to the apartment complex to see if they have surveillance video. And boom, one of the convenience stores, they find video with the car. And basically what it shows is it shows this, it's a silver sedan heading down the road towards the, comp- the apartment complex at 12.15 p.m. And then again, heading east away from Skylar's apartment shortly after 12.30 a.m. Now, they still can't get a license plate but now they know for sure that it's a silver sedan. And you know who drives the silver Uh-oh. sedan? Sheila. So the girls are brought in. And they're brought in. And they are brought in for questioning. And they are sticking to their story. And this is a girl that has been best friends with their daughter her whole life. So even the parents are like, she did not do anything to our kid. At one point, uh, Dave actually asked police, can you please go easy on those girls? They just lost their best friend. They're having a really hard time, like ease up. But the cops are like, well, we just, she's the only person in your daughter's life that drives that kind of car. And so that's all we got to go on. And he's like, okay, but just ease off. So cops obtain the cell phone records of all three girls' phones, right? And they uh, they see that they are not in the places that they mm. said they were. They're actively in farther away places. So they see that the phones are pinging off of cell phone towers in Blacksville, which is 45 minutes away from Star City where they said they had been driving around. So they've been officially mm-hmm. caught in a lie. And uh, finally, Sheila admits that it was her car that was on the thing picking her up at 1230. But again, she doesn't say anything else. And there's that's not enough. There's no I mean, at this point, we don't even know what's happened. But they're like, okay, we're gonna look into these girls. And um, they oh, they do change their story a little they say that they drove out there to smoke weed. But then at some point, I can't remember if it was like a boy's house or something, but uh, Skylar wanted to be dropped off somewhere. So they dropped her off where she wanted to be dropped off. And they just, they they didn't realize that she didn't, you know, go home after that. 
But it's like flimsy and their details don't line up this time. They also are both asked to take polygraphs. And Sheila's like, absolutely. I'll take a polygraph. I have no problem taking a polygraph. Fails the polygraph. And then Rachel straight up is being driven to the station to take a polygraph when she jumps out of her father's moving car and runs away (laughs) and refuses to go in. But the pressure's on. The pressure is on. Police are convinced that Sheila and Rachel know more than they're saying. They don't know what, but they're like, they know like more than they're telling us. Um, They go through Skylar's journals and social media. They realize that these best friends didn't seem like actually that good of friends at the time of her disappearance. They seemed kind of like they were having a major falling out. Um, They also discover a journal entry um, in Skylar's journal that a year earlier, so like when this tension had started, there had been a sleepover at Sheila's house and they had stole her mom's vodka and they got really drunk. And then uh, Rachel and Sheila started hooking up like right in front of Skylar and she couldn't leave because then the mom would wonder why she was leaving because she was out there and she'd realize she was drunk because they were like wasted. So she was like trapped in the room. Her two best friends are now hooking up and it was just awkward for her. She wasn't like upset about it or offended. She actually had a lot of like uh, LGBTQ plus friends and that would never have been an issue for her but it was a really uncomfortable moment and I think she felt kind of disrespected like nobody wants to sit in a room watching people hook up guys it's weird Um, but it does seem like that's kind of when the starting to push her out began in their relationship but not just the cops are putting the pressure on the town the high school they are all like you guys murdered her didn't you and are straight up bullying them online in person we know you killed her. And they start coming forward because it turns out the girls used to joke a lot that they were going to kill Skylar. And sometimes to Skylar's face, like, if you don't stop being so annoying, Skylar, we're just we're going to kill you. But Skylar thought it was a joke. But now that nobody can find Skylar and it's been uh, proven that these girls are lying about things about that night. I mean, they are a lot of pressure from like their peers is on them. And it starts taking a, like a it has a massive effect on Rachel. Sheila, not so much. She's living her life. She's tweeting. She's doing stuff. She at one point like sets, sends out a tweet that's like, if any of you all think that you can take on Rachel and me, you're wrong. Uh, but Rachel is clearly struggling under this intense, like, we, we think you're a murderer <laughs> vibes. Now, notably, not, not seeming to pressure, like buckle under the pressure of that her best friend has been missing for the better part of six months. No, it's that people think she had something to do with it. That is what's causing the issues. It also causes these two girls to become very isolated from all their peers and rely on each other even more. You know, like it's just them against the world. And while Sheila does seem to be acting kind of normal, if not like a little bit cold and um, narcissistic, Rachel appears to be like on the verge of having a breakdown, which she eventually does have. In December of 2012, Rachel completely snaps. She begins screaming and punching her parents and she's running down the streets of their neighborhood like screaming at the top of her lungs and being violent to the point where her mother has to call the police and is like my 16 year old daughter is having like some kind of a mental break. She's and you can hear her on the 911 call. You can hear Rachel like screaming like a wild animal in the background 
So police arrive and they have to take her like to a psychiatric hospital where she is kept for five days. And we don't know any details about her time there because she's a minor and it's none of our business. But she was in a psychiatric facility for five days. And then the moment that she leaves, uh, she asks them to set up a meeting with the detectives of Skylar's case to meet to have them meet her at her lawyer's office, like from the hospital to her lawyer's office. I need to speak to the cops. So the cops arrive, and before they even really start the interrogation, she blurts out, we stabbed her. And now cops are shocked. They knew these girls were involved, but they were thinking that it was maybe an overdose and they hit her body, or a horrible accident had happened, like they had gone partying in the woods and she tripped and fell and died, and they just were afraid to get in trouble. But this was not what anybody was expecting. We stabbed her, she blurts out. Okay. So it turns out that for months, Sheila and Rachel had been planning to murder Skylar. They talked about it, and as I mentioned, even joked in front of Skylar about it, but apparently it was a real plan. So the day of the murder, Rachel grabbed uh, her dad's shovel cleaning supplies, so bleach, uh, like cloths, and two clean uh, changes of clothes, put them in the trunk of Sheila's car. Sheila took kitchen knives, like butcher knives, from her parents' kitchen. They hid them in the pockets of their hoodies. Then they texted uh, Skylar to be like, hey, hang out with us. We're going to go drive around that. We're going to go drive out to our spot and smoke weed. Now, because of how bad things had been between these girls, Skylar was actually really mm. hesitant. She didn't want to go. She was like, you guys have been so mean to me. But after like hours of back and forth texting, like, no, we're so sorry that we didn't invite you to hang out with us yesterday. Um, we really want to see you. Please, please, please. And so eventually she's like, okay, all right, I'll sneak out. And, and they go and pick her up. So they drive to this area that's just across the Pennsylvania border. So they live in West Virginia, but they drive to this area that has a creek that they'd gone to many times before when they would sneak out to smoke weed. Uh, They get out of that car and they walk down to the creek to like start smoking when Sheila's like, oh shit, I forgot my lighter. And Skylar's like, oh, I can go grab mine. I have one in my purse. So she turns to walk back to the car and the minute her back is turned, Rachel and Sheila say one, two, three, and they begin their attack, lunging and stabbing her from behind in the back, tackling her to the ground. At one point, uh, Skylar actually gets the gun away from Rachel and manages to like oh knife yeah injure her in her ankle but but there's two of them and they eventually overpower her and they just oh. stab her and stab her that is and so stab awful her. and they and they stabbed her over what the fifty fuck? times then then Rachel tells police that when they were done they just kind of sat there waiting for her to die because you know it takes a long time oh to like God, bleed out awful. and die. And they said they just waited until they knew she was dead, which was when her neck would stop. She, her words were when her neck stopped making those gurgling sounds. Now, as I mentioned, this was a planned premeditated murder, right? So their plan is they're going to bury the body. They brought a shovel, but they can't bury the body because the ground is too rocky. So then they just move her over by a tree and cover her with branches and rocks. They place her cell phone turned off next to her. Then they strip off 
their bloody clothes, bury the clothes and the knife, get into the creek to clean themselves off and then change into their brand new clean clothes that they brought with them because, again, premeditated murder, and they just drive home. And this story, of course, as I just told you, it's a horrifying, shocking story. And the police are like, why? Why did you do this? And all Rachel said when asked, basically, like, why would you two kill your best friend? And she said, we just didn't like her anymore. So bizarre. Yeah. And also, what? Like, don't, then don't be friends with her, but you never, ever, ever need to take anyone's life, let alone somebody who was your friend. And also, that's not a motive. Like, we just didn't like her anymore. So are you two, like, the world's most yeah. psycho psychopaths? I mean, like, so she then leads police to the place where Skylar's body was. And remains are found, but they're decomposed. It's wintertime now. There was snow. So they have to send them off to the lab to actually confirm that they are Skylar's uh, remains. And they decide, okay, here's the deal. We're not going to arrest this girl just yet because, one, she gave her confession immediately upon release from having a mental breakdown. So that could easily, this confession could easily get thrown out in court saying that, like, her mental state, you know. Also, she had lied a lot before this. So they need to corroborate, corroborate every aspect of this confession and this story. So they decide we're just going to use Rachel to get to Sheila, who police believe is the mastermind of this whole thing. Because she's the one who's been very, like, oddly detached but then also like asking a lot of questions you know always wanting to know what's going on with the investigation um and so they at one point they try to they set up like cameras and secret like hearing devices in Rachel's room and have her invite Sheila over but she they they she doesn't say anything compromising enough but she does snap like a silly like selfie of them that she posts to Twitter while they're like clearly in a room that's meant to be Rachel getting her to to say something out loud about murdering their best friend. So while police now believe they know exactly what they think, if this story is true, they know exactly what happened. Uh, But Sheila, she's just acting like life is totally normal. She is all up on Twitter. She talks about a lot of random stuff, you know, like teachers she hates and like how bad at math she is. Um, But she also has a couple of... uh, Tweets that almost at this point to police seem like taunts. One of them uh, read, I wonder if there's a Law & Order SVU where they don't figure it out. That's a tweet that she tweeted. And then this one is the worst one. A random tweet, like randomly in the middle of a day of the hundreds of tweets that she would post, she put, she tweeted, we really did go on three. (gasps) Which was their plan to count to three and then attack. And that was like, that was their signal. They were going to go one, two, three. That was how they would both know to go. So she's, those are her tweets. You can see them on Twitter. Her account still exists. It's horrifying and just yeah. so dark. You know, it's like what kind of twisted mind? So on March 13th, 2013, the lab results confirming that the body Rachel had led the police to was that of Skylar. And so police publicly announced that Skylar had been found. The family holds a memorial service. Sheila's there. She's crying with everybody about her best friend. Who would do this? Now we know know she's not missing. She's not a runaway. She was murdered. And she keeps crying and asking other friends of hers, you know, like, who would do this to her? Like, legit. And as we know, she did this to her. 
Uh, she tweeted that day, worst day of my life, and then several pictures of her with Skylar with the caption that said, rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. I miss you more than you could ever know. Nasty. This is what's on her social, along with along with things like, we really did go on three. So police execute some search warrants. They really want to make sure there is no way that this confession can get eliminated because at this point it is the only thing they have in terms of evidence. So they uh, execute search warrants for every kitchen knife in Sheila's home and for her car. In the trunk of Sheila's car, they find blood. So now all they got to do is test that blood for DNA and see if that is a match to Skylar. So it is a rushed to the lab. And on May 1st of 2013, the DNA is confirmed. It is Skylar Niece's blood in the trunk of Sheila's car. They uh, get an arrest warrant and like sirens on race to the local Cracker Barrel where Sheila was having lunch with her mom and publicly place her under arrest. In the parking lot, she's crying and she's like, mom, is everything going to be okay? And her mom's like, I don't know, Sheila. That's all she can say. So... Rachel pled guilty to second-degree murder. She was able to kind of get a deal because she did cooperate, she did confess, and she did, you know, help them Mm -hmm. find her and bring her home. Um, And during her sentencing hearing, uh, she spoke directly to Skylar's family, and she said, there are not even words to describe the guilt and remorse I feel each day for what I've done. The person that did that was not the real me, not the person I am, not what I'm made of, and not what I believe in. I don't think I ever thought this would actually happen. I became scared and caught up in something I did not want to do. Now, I love her parents so much. Dave's, this is literally when they're, you know, she's asking for lenience, and then the victim's family can be like, maximum sentence here, please. So Dave gets up and he says, yes, Rachel Schof did tell us where Skylar was. Yes, Rachel Schof did cooperate. Rachel Schof also murdered my daughter in cold blood. She can take her apologies and sit on them because that's what they're worth to me and my wife and asks for the maximum. And I love that he had to like be, you know, in court proper because she can take her apologies and go fuck herself is probably what he wanted to say. Um, the judge sentenced Rachel to 30 years with the possibility of parole after 10, which will be next year. Sheila initially is like, not guilty. I plead not guilty. But then the state of Pennsylvania is like, okay, well, we can also charge you with crimes because her body, you killed her in our state and we do the death penalty here. And we got no problem with that. And she's like, oh, okay, um, I'll plead guilty then. So she ends up changing her mind about, like, going and having a trial. She pleads guilty to uh, first-degree murder. And she is sentenced to life in prison with mercy because she's a minor. They were 16 years old when they did this. So she has the possibility of parole as early as 2028. They are actually locked up in the same prison, both girls together. They are locked up at the uh, Lakin Correctional Center. And I will put a link in the show notes. There are petitions that people can sign to prevent people from being let out on parole. I think, I just think there's no way in hell that 10 years is long enough. I know they were minors. I know, you know, like it seems that Sheila had no remorse. They said during her sentencing hearing, she never spoke. She only cried when they talked about her being in jail but then otherwise she seemed really concerned with her appearance the whole time and like not at all caring what was going on around her. So I think she might actually have some like serious uh, 
crazy, evil, mental, like bad guy vibes. Um, whereas Rachel clearly deserves to be in prison and I think should serve, you know, mo- all of her sentence, if you're not know, most of it. Uh, but yeah, she they could be out like sooner than later. You know, I mean, she could be out next year. It's Rachel, Rachel, who who stabbed her best friend in the back and then went away to church camp the next so day. crazy you know like it's it's so crazy and there's like photos of both girls like right after like the day after or whatever and they're smiling like nothing happened now Skylar's parents sued Rachel and Sheila's family in civil court for like damages and uh, they won and they were awarded five million dollars, which, of course, they've received not one penny of because these families are not wealthy people and they don't have five million dollars. But they did this to ensure that if either Sheila or Rachel ever write a book, ever get paid to be interviewed, ever attempt to profit off of the murder of their daughter, that they will never see a penny of it. Good. And all of that will go to her family, to Rachel, to uh, Skylar's family. Smart. And I'm like, that's I'm so glad they did that, because if they do get out on parole they're just going to be like women in their 30s you know it's not they're they're going to be younger like youngish women with a whole life to attempt to like capitalize on their infamy or whatever and i feel like they would you know rachel wanted to be an actress sheila seems like she might just be a sociopath or something so the parents also helped pass skylar's law which changed basically the rules of yes remember in the beginning when police couldn't really take it seriously so it is it was changed um it's called Skylar's Law, and it changed the law that said immediately after a minor, anyone under the age of 18, is reported missing or in danger, regardless of whether the child is believed to have been abducted, um, a, oh, good. an Amber Alert must go out immediately. Even if they think it's just a right. runaway. If you are reporting somebody missing in possible danger, and then a national version of Skylar's Law, so you, whole U.S., not just West Virginia, cool. was passed in 2019, the same thing. Whenever a minor goes missing... Has doesn't have to be about being kidnapped anymore. Like a child is missing or in danger, immediate Amber Alert. And that is the story of I of Skylar niece. And I'm I'm so glad that her parents were able to like change some laws. Now this like specific action would never have saved their daughter, yeah. but they do know that it will save Ugh. other young people. And they turned the tree where uh, her body had been found into a memorial and it's like turned into kind of this really beautiful place. And he says, uh, Dave says he and Mary like to go there to just like be near their child, but also they, they turned this horrible, ugly place into a place yeah. of beauty and comfort for them. Um, and they are just, you know, it was their only daughter, like light of their life. And this girl that they considered family, like Sheila was so close to that family that like she came in the house without knocking. Yeah. She was just always there. She was her. She was like a sister. These were all only children. All three of these girls didn't have siblings. And so they were like sisters and they were definitely best friends. And I and the motive is the thing that really drives people crazy. Some people do think that it's possible as I mentioned, Rachel was raised in a very strict Catholic family and that a potential motive is that sh- uh, that Skylar was going to out them oh. for like hooking up. But that's not a most people are like one Skylar wouldn't have done that because she would not have cared. She she had no issues. But also, even if sex, she was just mad know, like, and wanted to get back at them and whatever to, you know, it's still not a reason yeah. to kill somebody. Of course not. Yeah, yeah no, but like that's right. people are just it's not just I don't like motive. you. And like the only one 
Yeah, it's not just Ida. We just didn't like her anymore because that's not a motive. Um, Some of the police officers involved think it it was a thrill kill, that they started planning it kind of as a joke, then started getting really pissed off at her all the time and decided, let's do this. Um, They picked the day they picked because they wanted to get it done before Rachel went to church camp. Um, And they thought it was a thrill kill and they just kind of wanted to see if they could get away with it. But even if that's true, like you just I I don't know. I can't imagine going from considering someone my best best friend. And as I mentioned, because of how present and like not far in the past this all happened. I mean, like the evidence of this friendship, the realness of it is there for the world to see in videos and in photos and messages, you know, public messages online. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they were best yeah. friends until they weren't. So sad. It is tough to it's even like, it just hear, so but it's sad. also like hard to even believe. It makes me fearful for I those just, socio. I mean, it's just like, how do you know someone's a sociopath who's going to snap and do weird shit? You weird don't. shit, evil shit. Yeah. And I read, I read, yeah, I read somewhere that there was like um, elements uh, like in personality disorders, like sociopathy and psychopathy or whatever. They actually don't usually develop in people until like their early to mid teenage years so it could have been one of those things that like they would have no way of knowing that she had stopped feeling empathy for other people because those would that like that like indifference towards other humans would have you know been relatively new if that is in fact her case do they test people in in prisons for Um, for sociopathicness i mean i'm sure i'm sure they've both been psychologically evaluated multiple times uh because again, it's baffling, and nobody knows really why Stupid. they did this. I mean, just nah. And so that is that is the sad, sad, sad story of like best friendship gone wrong. Isn't even the right word. Like, yeah, there is no word. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so sad. It makes me learn. What do I learn? I learned I that we don't need to be eating. We don't need to be starving ourselves for anybody, even uh, even our self value, and then also just careful who your friends are i don't know what's the other thing like yeah don't sneak out i mean it's uh, right well obviously don't sneak out <laughs> don't sneak out i mean um, that's horrible but like uh, you know in the middle of the night i mean i know because again like of course kids are going to sneak out and they're going to sneak out with their friends right. that's why this is so horrible is that it's like everything that happened was like a typical activity that happens in the life of teenagers except for that these two girls just decided that they were going to murder their best friend that night and there is no way anyone could have predicted it now I'm sure there were probably some signs that were missed about the tensions in the friendship that maybe you know but I don't Mm -hmm. know how anyone could have intervened in this because part of me is like, just, you know, never trust your friends. <laughs> no. That's what I learned. But that's no way to live. That's no way to live, you know. But it's like, maybe just like be true to your heart yeah. and l- follow your gut. Like Skylar's gut initially told her not to go with them that night because she didn't yeah. trust them, which was her last tweet. Like, it was why I can't fully trust you. So I like that. Always trust, trust your, your gut. gut. And always be kind and always be kind and supportive yeah. of your best friend that's right like Romy and michelle make that's a business right. make a We're business, business together. women live your best oh life. my gosh well thank you yeah. everyone thank you avon for that story thanks for listening guys yeah. thank you for Romy that's and michelle right. we love you rom criminals and that's uh we'll right. see you we next will. tuesday Bye. Bye.